This is New Life Christian Fellowship's weekly message podcast. You can find us online at newlifepetaluma.org. And now, this week's message. Morning, everybody. How are you? Awesome. Give me a couple of minutes here. I'll tell you what. While I set up shop, you can do some things that will uh, kind of move us along in the time frame. Uh, are you ready to meet with God? Okay, lives are going to change right here this morning. I'm really excited about that. And if that's going to happen, we have to connect with God. And if we as a church are going to help you do that, you have to enable us to connect with you. So this is a connect card. On one side it says start here. On the other side it says connect. And if you've been here more than once, you already know the drill. Sometimes I get asked, hey, why do you always have us put our email address down there? Okay, our name and our email address. Simply because... That oftentimes there are two people who come to church with the same name. And when we pray for you, we want to make sure that we're praying for the correct person. And the email addresses are always different. So on the one side, down at the bottom, if you'll, put us, if you'll give us your name and your email address at least, any other contact information that you would feel comfortable giving us, it allows us to connect with you and uh, we'll be... Um, we will act with integrity about that. We're not going to share your information with anybody else. We're certainly not going to send you a bunch of emails that you don't want. Uh, but it at least gives us a way to begin to connect with you. And then you can hang on to that. We'll use it again at the very end. And while you're doing that, you can also pull out this sheet of notes that has the fill-in-the-blank part. Those are the teaching notes, and I'll walk us through that this morning. So you can do that while I set up. What was last Sunday? Anybody remember? Easter. We talked about life change. We talked about baggage. And we talked about the people that uh, would come to church on Easter and their lives would never be the same. And I want to say a welcome to those of you who came last Sunday for the first time and are back again. Uh, Welcome. I was so blessed. I I pulled up my Facebook and uh, I read the following post that came from somebody in this church. And they said it way better than than, than I could. Easter is hope. Not the cross your fingers, this will maybe work out kind of hope, but the hot diggity dog, this good news has my name written all over it kind of hope. What good news? The good news that I'm no longer trapped by the worst version of myself that literally takes my breath away. I want you to remember that. It's good. I'm being made new. I no longer emotionally or spiritually crumble when life's yuckiest comes my way. I'm given the strength I need in this relationship. This flawed world that I love and yet find so unsatisfying is not my final stop. I have a creator waiting expectantly for me. If you're in need of that kind of hope too, Easter is for you. Is that well said? That's why we're all here, isn't it? Yes. I want to talk with us this morning about being trapped in the worst version of ourselves. Because I'm going to talk to us this morning about addiction. 
Would you consider that sort of the worst version of yourself? Yeah. Yeah. And, and you say, well, that's a buzzkill. No, we're going to talk about, I, I know with all of my heart and believe that we're going to apply the power of God this morning to addiction and God's going to take some addictions down right here, right now this morning. Are you ready for that? Yes, I am. Absolutely. Now, one of the dangers of, of talking about addiction is that everybody knows, oh man, I got a drunk and a junkie that would be, this would be really good for them. Right? And everybody thinks, thank God I've got the morning off. So I brought some addictions. We're just going to put them up here on the table. Are you ready? So we've already talked about this, so we'll put this right here. That, that, that's right. And, you know, a little pot. We'll put that up here. How about these? They go, they go up here. I bought those yesterday at the store, actually, along with that. I kept looking around, <laughs> hoping I wouldn't see anybody that knew me. Let's see, what else do I have in this bag? Oh, yeah. What about this? Pornography. It looks strangely like Horton Hears a Who on the back, but I did not buy that yesterday, all right? Just so you know, all right? Let's see. Oh, yeah, I tried not to pick on Starbucks or pizza or anything, so how did that get in there? Yeah, how about this? Oh, yeah, right. <laughs> oh, that's, yeah, yeah, we, we, we struggle with that. How about this? That's the Internet Explorer. Anybody know anybody that's too obsessed with the Internet? Yeah, yeah, guilty as charged, right? Oh, how did this get in here? A remote. Every guy I know is at least addicted to the buttons. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Hey, who put this in here? How did that sneak in there? Oh, let's see. Chocolate? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. We got, we got, yeah, yeah. Gambling? Yeah, we got that in here, too. How about video games? No, no, no. Video games are not habit-forming, right? Yeah, yeah, they're boring. they're boring to me, but to a lot of people, they're not. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Twinkies! How'd that... You know, it's interesting. Most of us in this room either eat too much or too little. And I'm being truthful about that. And most of us either eat the wrong kinds of the foods or get too picky about that. I got one more item in here, and that's this. You know, anybody know the nickname for Blackberry? Crackberry. Right? You ever tried to talk to a teen who couldn't talk to you because they were texting their friends while they were talking to you or supposedly talking to you? Yeah. 
I know a family right now, true, true story, I know a family right now that the family is split and the son and the daughter-in-law and the two grandkids will not invite the grandfather over to their house because every time they do, his phone rings, he gets up, he leaves the table, he goes outside and spends the rest of the dinner talking on the phone. I said, we're through, we're through being in last place. Yeah. Texting, all kinds of things. Oh, yes. I almost forgot. Uh, some of you thought you were sneaking out, right? Now, having said all this, I want to direct your attention to the, to the screens because we're going to learn a biblical definition of addiction, and here it is. You are a slave. I want you to circle and underline that word slave to whatever controls you. I want you to circle and underline the word control. Everybody on board with that? That's the biblical definition of of what an addiction is. And so the question that we have to ask ourselves right on the way into this teaching this morning is, what exercises an unhealthy level of control in my life? You see, there is something worse than talking about addiction on Sunday morning, and that is not talking about it. Not talking about it. Because I can tell you that getting real is always less dangerous than living in denial. Okay? So I want to encourage us this morning, let's come with hearts that are ready to say, okay, God, I'm right here. And if you want to speak into my heart about chocolate, I'm here. Okay? You want to speak into my heart about, I don't care what it is, because God wants us you know, you know what the key verse is in this entire series on baggage? Take a look at the key verse. The key verse is, if the Son sets you free, you are truly free. And that's God's desire for you. That's God's desire for me. That's my desire for you. And my desire for me is that we could live in true freedom in every single way this morning that we could be absolutely, truly free. So how are we going to do that? Well, last week we talked about three simple prayers. This morning, I don't know, I must be stuck on threes. We're going to look at three principles that will actually take down any addiction in our lives. Ready? And it's no surprise what number one is. Take a look at what number one is. Number one is take it to whom? Take it to God. Now, I know you've heard this word before. I want you to write somewhere in the margin the word grace. Because we're going to talk about the connection between God's grace and His power to take something down in our lives. There are three definitions of grace in the, that, that occur throughout the Bible, and I'm only going to work on the second one. But the first one is the willingness to forgive. And most of us are familiar with the grace of God in that, in that way. But the second is, the Bible often speaks of the grace of God as giving us the power to change. That's God's grace at work in our lives. And the third is, the grace of God at work in our lives is is giving us the power to heal. So we're going to talk about the power to change this morning. And I'm going to show you three passages of Scripture that just sort of lay it out for us. And the first is in Romans chapter 5. It says, as people sinned more and more, God's wonderful grace became more abundant. And 
you know, that's a verse that's easy to misunderstand because, and Paul addresses it in the next chapter of the book of Romans, but the people were saying, oh yeah, God's grace is always greater than our sin, so if we want more grace, what should we do? Sin more, right? That would make sense. No, Paul said, no, 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 no. That's not what we mean. Yes, God's grace can cover your sin, but the deal is, the way that God's grace is greater is no matter how much you have sinned in the past part of your life, or no matter how deep and big and giant a grip sin has in your present life, a la addiction, God's grace is always what? Greater. Okay? We're going to see that in living color. So, That's the principle right at the beginning. God's grace has the power to change us no matter how big or deep or long the addiction is in our life. Now, Paul learned this in a very uh, personal way, and he writes about it to the people in the church at Corinth. Take a look. Paul said, well, this was actually God saying to Paul, my grace is all you need. That'd be a good thing to underline, don't you think? Because as you and I begin to take down the addictions in our lives, we need to understand right up front, what is all we need? My grace is all you need. And then he goes on to explain. God says, my power works best where? In weakness. When you face your addiction, do you feel strong or weak? You always feel weak. He goes on to say, so now I'm glad to boast about my weakness so that the power of Christ can work through me. And then Paul wrote to that same group of people, the, the, the Christians there in Corinth, and he said, actually, look in your own lives, and I want to show you how this power works in your life. He says, don't fool yourselves, those who indulge. Now, a, a bunch of what he's going to list after this is actually addictive sin. It's habitual sin. He says, those who indulge in sexual sin. Is that ever habit forming? Yeah, I didn't hear a real strong amen, but it is definitely is. He goes on, or who worship idols, or commit adultery, or are male prostitutes, or practice homosexual sexuality, or are thieves. You know, I did a little research on this. In the country of England alone, okay, there were over half a million crimes committed last year by repeat offenders. Now get this, over half a million, 270,000 plus of them were committed by offenders who had been charged at least 25 times prior. You know, I have a proposition to lay out for us. I don't care what sin you talk about. Every sin you can name has a way of getting a grip on us. Am I right about that? I don't care if it's gossip. I don't care if it's jealousy. I don't care if it's anger. You know anybody addicted to anger? I mean, this is a sermon we could just stop and just keep talking, right? And just the more we talk, the more things we talk about, the more we realize, you know, eventually when the pastor says, I'm here to talk about addiction this morning, he throws the net out and guess who's in it? Us. All of us end up in that net. Okay? And then he goes on to say, or are greedy, or drunkards, or abusive, or cheat people. Now, none of these will inherit the kingdom of God. That's not good news, right? 
That's terrible news. That's what we are outside of God. Now notice the rest of this verse. We're going to add it on the end. Some of you were once, were once like that. But you were cleansed. You were made holy. You were made right with God by calling on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. You see, the key to overcoming addiction doesn't begin by you looking within and trying to tap into some some power reserve that you have. You know, after years and decades of ministry, here's what I know and here's what I've learned from all the people who have come into my office. And this is something I say to them probably as much as I say to uh, any phrase to anybody. And that is, have you tried to conquer this? And what's the answer they give me? Yes. Okay. So then we do know this. If you're going to conquer this, it's not going to be conquered by you trying. Because if you could have conquered it, you would have already. Yeah. But you say to me, Pastor, you, you don't know how big my addiction is. You don't know how long I've been trapped in this addiction. You don't know how hard I've struggled. You don't know this thing is bigger than I am. Well, God preserved a story. Justin told us a story this morning from the Bible. I'm going to refer to another story that I know everybody here has heard. How many of you have heard of the story of David and Goliath? Okay. I firmly believe that God preserved that story because he wanted to illustrate a point for us. Are you ready? So we have a life-size Goliath. That literally is how big Goliath was. Is he impressive? Yeah. Would you like to go up against him? I'm thinking if he played in the NFL, he might be a number one draft pick, don't you think? How would you like to get down a three-point stance against that guy? No. But I want you to think with me for a minute, because the real point here, and I don't want you to miss it, it is, it is the central point of what I'm going to talk to you about this morning. The central question in your life and mine is, will the God who empowered a 17-year-old boy with a sling and five stones to bring down that guy, will that same God work in your life and mine to bring down the Goliaths that we have? Is that a fair question? Okay. Now the Bible clearly says God's no respecter of persons. None. And the Bible clearly says that the same power that was at work in David, which was the power of God, that enabled him to bring this guy down with just one shot, guided by his heavenly Father, will take down any giant in our lives. Whether it's pot or alcohol or tobacco or chocolate or whatever it might be. Do you believe that? Do you really believe that? Absolutely. And I want to tell you, if you don't accept that, the rest of what I'm going to say to you won't help you. Okay? You've got to start right there. You know, the wonderful thing about Jesus and the wonderful thing about church, and particularly this church, 
We outrageously believe that. Are you on board with that? We outrageously believe that God loves us and that He's at work in our lives and that He will do in and through us what we could never do on our own. You know, you say, but I'm not sure. That might be, you know, just sort of pie in the sky kind of stuff. If you go to any 12-step program, whether it has to do with alcohol or sexual addiction or narcotics or gambling, I I don't care what the 12-step program is. I want to just read to you the first three steps. Ready? Admit that we are powerless over our addiction and that our lives have become unmanageable. That means I'm little and it's big. Got it? Literally what it means. Number two, come to believe that a power greater than ourselves can restore our sanity. And number three, make a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of whom? Of God. And I want to tell you, millions of people across the face of our planet have found that to be absolutely true because it works every time. I'm not just talking about the 12 steps. I'm talking about the power behind the 12 steps. You could have eight steps or 13. It doesn't matter. There's no magic in the 12. What makes them work is the power of God. Number two, take it public. Here's what the Bible says. Share each other's burdens and in this way obey the law of Christ. It also says, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. Yeah. AA has a, has a saying that goes through and it goes like this. You're only as sick as your secrets. That's not in the Bible, but the principle is in the Bible. You know, it's, in, it's not until you and I are willing to get what is secretly controlling us, bring it out in the open, that we can get help with it. Now, what's our fear? Our fear is, well, it was the same as three pastors from a small town who got together for a spiritual retreat. And at the end of the second day, and they were getting ready to go home, one of them was just really moved and said, you know, guys, one of the things I struggle with is I can't really confess my sins to anybody in my church because it doesn't work very well. So how about if we confess to each other you know, our deepest, darkest sins and pray for each other because I believe God would really work in us. And they looked at each other and he said, okay, I'll go first. And he said, you know, I struggle with integrity. A congregation doesn't know it, but I don't always report fully on my tax form. Interesting day to talk about that, right? I don't always fully report to the IRS all the extra money that I make. And if truth were known, there have been some times when I've turned in receipts to the church and there were some personal items on there. And it's, yeah, I, I struggle with, I said, in fact, if you looked at other areas of my life, you would see that there's an integrity breakdown. And, and he goes, I'm just tired of it. 
Well, emboldened by that, the second guy goes, okay, yeah, wow. Well, he said, I've never told anybody this, but I'm actually a closet drinker. He said, it's, I, I'm ashamed to tell you this, but I have a locked drawer in my office that I'm the only one that has a key to, and I take a little shot every once in a while when no one's looking. And the coffee that I drink in the morning, mm-hmm. Turn to the third guy, and he had a big grin on his face. He goes, I struggle with gossip, and I just can't wait to get back to town. <laughs> now, that's what we fear, right? That when we take it public, we're going to go sit down with somebody. We're going, to, we're going to share this thing that we struggle with, that somehow we're going to read about it in the newspaper the next day. Okay? I want to share with you that one of the things that we do in life groups is we have a confidentiality agreement in all of our life groups. And we do it for this very purpose. Because the Bible says that we're to confess to each other. And the Bible says we're to bear each other's burdens. And if we're going to do that, we have to do it with confidentiality. Why? Because there are three prayers that we need to pray for each other. When we confess, prayer number one is this. Pray for me. That's what we need from people that we talk to and say, I'm struggling in this area. Pray for me. The second thing we need them to do is hold me accountable. You know what that means? That means don't be afraid to ask me the tough question. If you know me well, when you confess something to me, I'm not going to ask you the question every time I see you, but I will periodically ask you, how you doing? Why? Because if you talk to me, and then that becomes the elephant in the room that I no longer talk to you about, I can't help you with it. I can't be an accountability person. So I'll pray for you. I want you to pray for each other. I want you to be willing to ask each other the tough question. And the number three is just as important as the first two. And that is restore me when I fall. In other words, don't give up on me. You keep praying. You keep asking. Okay? And I will reach a time when I don't fall. That'll be a great day. That'll be a great day. Let's go to number three. Number three is... Take it down. What was number one? Take it to God. What was number two? Take it public. Number three, take it down. You've got to reach a point in your life where you make the choice. And the Bible has these two wonderful uh, characters who actually gave this challenge to the people of their day. And the first was Joshua. And Joshua said, choose today. I want you to circle and underline those words. Don't just circle the word choose. What does he put with it? Today. Choose today. Whom you will serve. Will you prefer the gods of your ancestors that they serve beyond the Euphrates? Or will it be the gods of the Amorites in the land where you now live? In other words, are you just going to serve the things that everybody else around you serves? Or will you serve God? As for me and my family, what choice did Joshua make? We will serve the Lord. Elijah. Another prophet in the Old Testament gave the same challenge to the people of his day. He stood in front of them and he said, How long will you waver? You ever think Elijah would be a great pastor today? He would be standing up on this stage 
looking at all of us struggling in the various areas of our life and say, how long will you waver? He went on to say, hobbling between two opinions, if God is God, if the Lord is God, follow Him. But if Baal is God, then follow Him. You know, in our day and age, we we don't struggle with Baal. But Elijah would say, if God is God, follow Him. If addictions are the answer to life, just keep eating and drinking and doing what you're doing. Because there's really only one answer to life. Any Popeye fans in here? Yeah, some of you are old enough to be Popeye fans. You know, three principal characters in, in the Popeye cartoon. There was, there was Popeye, and what was the name of his, his, his girl? Olive oil. And what was the name of his chief enemy? Brutus. That's right, Brutus. And, and well, sometimes Popeye would get a little distracted and Brutus would sort of put the move on olive oil. Remember that? Yeah. And eventually when Popeye would wake up and smell the coffee and look, he would reach that moment of decision. And he would stand up and he would say, I can't stand it no more. Right? And he would reach for his can of spinach, right? And he would down it, and stuff was going to fly. As I prayed about this message, I realized that it's the deepest desire of God's Spirit that we would have a Popeye moment this morning. That we would reach that point in our life when we would say, I can't stand it no more. I, I've let this control my life too long. Could be anger. Could be sugar. It could be golf, literally. It could be the internet. Uh, whatever it is, it could be any of the things we've talked about, and you know, three dozen more. You know what I do know? I know the Spirit of God knows you better than I do, and I know that while I've been talking to you, the Spirit of God's been at work in your heart. And you already know what the Spirit of God wants to deal with in your life. You know what I want to challenge you to do? I want to challenge you to write it down. There's two ways we can apply this message today. Let's take a look. I'm confessing to God something that has too much control in my life. I want to stop right there. Because here's my challenge to you today. Whatever it is, I want to challenge you to talk to God about it this week. Literally, talk to Him. Because I'll tell you this, it's difficult for you to talk to God about something and then get up off your knees and go out and do nothing about it. Because the Spirit of God will begin to work in your life. And oftentimes the reason we don't talk to God about what has too much control in our life is because we know the moment we do, He'll process it with us. Am I right about that? Yeah. I want to challenge us. Let's get real with God and talk to Him about whatever it is. And then secondly, I will share it this week with either my life group or a trusted friend. And what are we going to ask them to do? Pray for me, hold me accountable, and restore me when I fall.
And then the second thing is, I'm choosing to become a Christian this morning. And I'll tell you why that's there. Because by choosing to become a Christian is when you actually unlock the power of God in your life. That's when you get the full benefit of God's power. I'm going to pray for us. And um, you do your business with God while I pray. Father, thank you for being real with us. And thank you for sharing with us that whatever controls our life in an unhealthy way, what, what, whatever we turn to for comfort that won't really deal with our problem, it's just sort of our drug of choice in the moment, whatever has too much control over us, that we eventually become a slave to that, and that's what we look to for life when we should be looking to you. Because you can actually deal with the things that we struggle with. Lord, we're confessing even right now what it is we struggle with. We ask you to come into our lives to deal with, with your power. We're bringing it to you. And would you give us the courage this week to look up either a trusted friend or go to our life group and say, you know, as the pastor was talking this week, this is what exercises too much control in my life, and I'm asking you to pray for me this week about it. For those of us, Lord, who are not yet Christians, Call us to make that decision this morning. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. We hope you enjoyed this week's message. You can find more information about New Life, including contact information, at newlifepetaluma.org. Thanks for listening.